our wallpaper line just came from asking, hey, we want to create patterns. How do we do this? And they're like, oh my God, yes. It's always going to be a yes. Just like the magazine press opportunities. I thought back in the day that you had to just be popular enough and wait till they call on you. But these writers are always looking for content. And you can simply call them up and say, hey, I just finished this kitchen. I have photographs. Can I show you my phone pictures to see if you'd be interested in setting up a photo shoot and doing a story, whether it's digital or print? They're, they're waiting for that information and that, and that content they need it. You can create that opportunity for yourself if you just simply ask. Hi, Offscripters. It's your host, Sewa Ajay Pilly, and welcome to episode 122 of the She's Offscript podcast. This is the show where we hear and learn from women who've created their own unique blueprints for business success. My hope is that you'll hear their stories and translate their gems into a unique path for yourself. In today's episode, we meet Tavia Forbes and Monet Masters. They are co-founders of interior design firm Forbes Masters. The two of them met when Tavia was called in by a client to rescue a project Monet had been hired to design. Even though Monet was ultimately fired from that job, that awkward situation blossomed into a beautiful friendship and eventually a business partnership. Over the past five years, their work has been featured in Architectural Digest, El Decor, Essence, and many other publications. More recently, they also released a wallpaper collection with Mitchell Black. During our conversation, they shared how they continue to attract international clients, land partnerships, press coverage, grow their business, and so much more. Before we hear the rest of the Forbes master story, I would love it if you could subscribe, rate, and review our show on iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. This will help to spread the word about our podcast so amazing stories like Tavia and Monet's can continue to inspire women looking to launch their own off-script journeys. If this episode has inspired you to launch a business, the She's Off Script podcast also has a membership community to help you launch and grow your business with resources and coaching. Join our Boss Off Script community today by going to sewaajpenley.com forward slash community. With that, let's go off script with Tavia Forbes and Monet Masters, the founders of Forbes Masters. Tavia Forbes, Monet Masters, welcome to She's Off Script. Thank you for being here. Thank, Thank, you. You Thank you for having us. So for any of our listeners who have not come across you and haven't heard about you, could you share who you are and what you do? We can start with you, Tavia. I'm Tavia Forbes, and I'm one half of Forbes Masters, an interior design firm in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we've been working together for going on five years now. Uh, we both had our respective businesses and decided to join forces a few years ago. And we are classified as a um, boutique interior design uh, firm located here in Atlanta, Georgia, but we work with clients in and out of Georgia, in and out of the United States, uh, primarily focusing on residential design. Okay. How did you each start your journey into interior design? Let's do the cliff notes version, I guess. Um, I My dad is a contractor uh, and a furniture maker in Jamaica. And so kind of just grew up around built things and uh, tagging along with him on different jobs. I was always interested in like what he was doing, whether he was putting in a kitchen or a bathroom and, and so on. And But, you know, as a young black child, you don't know that an interior designer is an actual career. We don't so we don't grow up with that. Um, and even seeing an interior designer, it just did not click in my head that this person gets paid to do so. Um, 
And I went a more traditional route, going to school for business and marketing, but really enjoyed doing event design and design and art uh, in school and um, started on that journey and ended up um, managing, doing operations for spas and hated it. So I quit. Um, and within the time period of quitting, I met my now mentor at an event and designed her home and designed her friends' homes. And it kept going exponentially from there. So I've been designing ever since. It's been a, a little over a decade now. Wow. Wow. To say that. Um, and I, gosh, my interior design or just professional career started, I'll say, um, in my junior year of high school, I got turned on to the idea of um, interior design by way of um, a show by the name of Trading Spaces on HGTV. I was in my home ed class, <laughs> in my home ed class, and um, our, our teacher was actually obsessed with the show, the show so she would end our period um, with that show every day. And so I took a liking to it. I started watching it on my own at home. And then I just started to kind of research, like, what is an interior designer? Is this reality TV? Uh, is this, uh, are these actors? I didn't know that the profession actually existed. And uh, just to gain more insight with my research, because um, I don't even think Google was that popular back then. <laughs> you researched my very well. <laughs> I, um, I started to, I lived in Houston, Texas at the time. So I started to go around to neighboring communities. Um, in Houston, there's always communities being developed and um, they always would have model homes. And so that was my daily habit, going around the city of uh, Houston and finding new construction homes and just touring the models and acting like I was looking for a house, but really I was, I was literally with my disposable camera taking pictures of like these different spaces and I was so inspired by them. And so simultaneously doing research on the profession and realizing that, wow, this is something I can go to school for. Um, and so I started to do research on different schools and I knew that it was important to find a school that was accredited, um, that was highly ranked and, and so forth. So I, I was looking at Pratt, which was in New York, and I was terrified of moving there. I wonder if we would have met. If I went to Pratt, New York, I used to hang out a lot around Pratt. We probably still would have met because this is our destiny. Um, <laughs> or or SCAD, which I was just looking at the Savannah campus. So I toured the Savannah campus. I end up um, loving the Atlanta campus. I submitted my portfolio um, within two weeks. Was approved with scholarships, and I moved to Atlanta to pursue my interior design career. And um, while in school, I was working with a lot of the interior designers that were known in Atlanta, just assisting, trying to get as much exposure as I could um, while working at showrooms. I was just doing multiple things. I've always been a busybody or hustler, as they would say, um, to the core. And so that's what I was doing throughout school. And so when I graduated, I got my first salary job at a hospitality design firm. And I didn't even know what I wanted at that time. I was just kind of wound up in what all of the kids at school were talking about, what all the professors kind of expected you to do after school, which was find a salary job and work for a large um, corporate firm. Of and course, so, that can be a good training ground for you, but that doesn't have to be your path. Oh, absolutely. And, and, and in a lot of ways, I think that it confirmed my path. 
And uh, so while there, I was there for a year, I absolutely hated it. Um, I didn't feel like I was applying anything of what I learned or uh, had the opportunity to explore my, my real passion within the, uh, within the industry or within the job of an interior designer. So I ended up leaving and um, starting my own company and hated it. I absolutely hated it. <laughs> I, I would I would drive to work crying. Um, and I had my own office with big, beautiful windows and I had this big whiteboard and I would write scriptures on the whiteboard to just try and encourage me. And I would come in the next day and like my scriptures would be erased. It was just it was a toxic situation. Oh and I, I always say that had it not been for that experience, I don't know if I would have successfully struggled for two years before um, really graining, gaining ground in my interior design profession. So I left. I trusted God to open up doors. I, I continue to put a lot of time in building my my audience, building my brand. Uh, building my awareness with the design community by way of online um, resources, profiles, uh, events. I was just very active and became well-known and very familiar amongst, you know, the people in the industry. And I started to get jobs. And um, just to wrap up my story, I remember the turning point. I had, I called a friend to ask her for some money for rent because I was struggling. And I, I had this guilty conscience of like, I'm choosing to struggle. Like I'm choosing not to go get a job. Like, is it even fair for me to ask for help? And I remember her telling me like, it's none of my business, what you're doing. It's only my business to support you and to help you in any way that I can. And with that, a client from Bermuda called me. She said, my husband and I are building a house here. We love Atlanta. We love the architecture in Atlanta. So we're also hiring an Atlanta architect, and we want you to be our designer. She flew me up, put me in a beautiful hotel. Where did um, she find you? It was House. It was House, one of my online profiles that I uh, kept updated. And um, she flew me up. And between my friend telling me what she told me in this project, it was the turning point of my career. And I started to get more clients. Fast forward, I get my first commercial job. It was a very large um, hair salon. The, the client was also Jamaican, so I thought this was going to be great. I designed the heck out of this salon, and that is the extent of what I could do. I had absolutely no experience in commercial design. I simply was not ready. Um, but it was, it, it was, again, a pivotal point of my career because it's where I met Tavia. Um, and, you know there's a whole second season of, of that story. <laughs> and that's what I do want to know is it sounds like you were both getting momentum on your own. Why the decision to then come together and partner? Oh, it was an instant. Um, so while Monet was on that commercial job, I actually got called by the same client. To, she reached out to me to let me know that the project wasn't really going anywhere. And though she was happy with the design, um, the designer on the job at the moment wasn't um, able to furnish the design. And so they they had us meet at a coffee shop all together. And Sounds awkward. Uh, was, oh, yeah. It was um, <laughs> supposed to be kind of a mediation or a bit trying to figure out how we can all work together. Mm -hmm. um, the meeting did not go very well. <laughs> it was just it was overall just awkward. Yeah. It's like forcing something to happen that just was not going to go down. Um, and 
the long story, uh, we stayed behind and chatted for a little bit after the clients left because they left us to talk with the assumption that at the moment that maybe we would work together on the project. And um, they ended up calling me that evening to let me know that they actually let Monet go from the job and that they were hiring me. And I was still new to interior design and of course eager to work. So of course I took the job. And then Monet calls me the next day and all the oldest girls about to curse me out because I just stole her job. <laughs> and it wasn't that at all. You, you know, now that I think about it, I'm not sure, but because of like the hustle in me, I was more focused on learning, gaining opportunity to learn more, to, you know, um, move my career forward. And so when in that meeting, when in that meeting, I was, my eagle was, uh, was heightened. I was very embarrassed and angry that the client would go behind my back uh, to try to get some assistance for me of which I did not need. Like what <laughs> was, was my sentiments at the time. And, um, and so I came in very bitter. Um, I thought this was gonna be, you know, a yelling match. And really they were trying to work with me and they were, they were trying to assist. I just could not get to the point to acknowledge or agree that I needed help. Although I know I needed it. What made me call Tavia was just her calmness in that meeting. And then I think really the talk afterwards. So when the clients left, Tavia then like kind of took off her professional hat a little bit. And she turned to me and she was just like, look, you cannot let these clients get to you. This is how you have to deal with situations like this. And just kind of like, you know, it was kind of like, you know, we don't have any beef. There's no, there's no issue between you and I. Mm -hmm. And so I appreciated her taking a very awkward moment, especially after me being rude to, to help me still. And, and then at that point I was just like, I need to take advantage of this opportunity. Um, I went home, I Googled her probably on some, some, some still like, you know, haterade type type stuff. I was just like, who is this girl? She thinks she is. <laughs> I mean, at that time I felt like haterade was appropriate. <laughs> I was like, you brought that one back. But um, I was just like, who is this person? You know, and then everything I saw online, which which wasn't much, which was, wasn't much. And I later found out because she she she's just the client relations type of person, which is why I think her business thrived. Well, I know it thrived. But um, the, the little that I found, it, it was just very, it was nice. It was informative in the sense where um, I became attracted to like who she was, what she was doing. And I thought I could learn from this person. So that's why I called her. And I said, you know, essentially I want us to stay in contact and be friends. I know you primarily work in New York. If you're ever in Atlanta, I'd love to help you on your projects oversee, um, just be in attendance. And, and that is what formed our business relationship, which then formed later into a real friendship. Um, which then produced the opportunity for us to work together. That didn't come until we became friends and not just business friends. Because um, in the beginning, it was still very much business. I was still somewhat reserved because like she took my job, um, of which I needed to be fired from. <laughs> but <laughs> Well, it's good to look back and be like, yeah, I was wrong. I did need to oh, be yeah. fired. <laughs> I'm, all, I'm all about self-reflection, so... <laughs> That's no problem for me. <laughs> but I have to say, partnership is something that's difficult for people to go into because number one, there's a little bit of selfishness because you want the whole pie for yourself, not realizing that the pie could be bigger if you partner up. So what did you have to work out from a partnership perspective? I've already heard you alluding to the fact that 
Tavia is better with client relations and maybe you have a different strength. So how did you work that all out to make sure that your partnership would be successful? Going into a partnership is like going into a marriage. Like it's a full bloom relationship. Um, and one of the major things for us was to stop trying to stop looking at the other person, expecting them to be another version of you. Um, otherwise, what can two of you really accomplish? You're going to both make the same mistakes. You have to have a foil. So someone that's going to see something from a different perspective, approach something differently or have a different idea or opinion. So um, and actually honor and respect that is helpful. It doesn't make it easy. Yeah. It's not it's but, but we're both in therapy. Right. <laughs> so. um, and I'll to, to add to that, I'll say that that conversation and that realization actually came at least a year into our partnership. Um, at the very beginning, we were looking at opportunities just to not be stressed out, to make more money and to get help because we were getting clients at this point. Um, but we weren't necessarily making enough money to hire help. And, and then we kept seeing um, a very consistent habit from the client or issue uh, within the project. And so, uh, you know, with, with several different conversations, we started to talk about the idea of merging. And initially, again, I was reserved uh, because I felt like I, st I wanted a little more experience on my own. Um, I wasn't ready to kind of share the title um, and so forth. And, uh, and then we, you know, we continued to just talk about actually another business that we were thinking about forming together, uh, another service pertaining to, you know, just the interior design community and clients and consumer. And so um, we got thrown into a project together and that is what essentially started our business but we did not, um, we didn't start growing and get on, getting on the same page until about a year later. And I would say because from the beginning, we had been busy. Mm -hmm. From the very beginning, it was project after project after project. And we didn't have time, we barely had time to really form a name, but we knew that we would always be complimented on our last name. So we were just like, let's just put those two together. And I think it took maybe even 30 minutes to decide whose name would go first. <laughs> I, I think at first we were trying to just like respect the other and we didn't want the other to feel any type of way. It was like silence. It's just like, we're like they're the names and we both looking at each other. We're like, so it could be Masters Forbes or Forbes Masters. And then we just kind of let silence. And then finally I was like, okay, let's be honest. Like Forbes Masters just sounds better. And then Tay was like, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> say master's form so in your mouth I just yeah um but but yeah so that just kind of speaks to uh, the busyness um that 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 we had at the time and then a year later when we started to clash a little bit um we sat down with our mentor and um had a, a four yeah start talking to and a four to five hour meeting at her dining room table about mm. all the things we needed to do and one of those things was therapy mm. For like a couple's <laughs> business couple partner therapy. Yeah, individual. 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 Okay. Yeah. Cause I, I think sometimes if you haven't dealt with your own baggage, you start to reflect it on someone else or you're on your partner. So I'm glad you were able to push through to this point because now we have Forbes Masters as you guys are today. But you spoke about the fact that you were busy right off the bat. Let's talk about client acquisition, because I think that's something that new interior design businesses may struggle with. So what did client acquisition look like for you before the partnership versus now within your business? 
I would say a combination of both of our strengths at the time. Um, I was heavy on the referral side. So most of all of my business came via referral. One was heavy on social media and hows. And so when we would do a project that we were each refer, like Mecca came via hows and Swinton came via um, uh, referral. And those were our first two projects together. But taking one of those projects and having that professionally photographed and adding that to our portfolio, we've been throwing a couple of our old projects individually on our on our profile and just started to work on both ends. And now um, I think we're heavier on the, I don't know, sometimes our, our semantics change. It's like, oh, we're high on referrals this time. And then now it's we're high on social media in terms of where we're getting our business from. But um, I think the combination of both is, you know, was what really kept us consistently busy. And the fact that there are two of us, we can get through a project faster. It means that we can move on to the next one. So we're turning around things very quickly. Right. The other thing to add to that is, like, in the most simplest uh, explanation, there's two of us now. So the work that Tavia was getting by herself literally merges with 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 my clientele. So it just so happened that. After, after the client uh, reached out to me um, about the nursery, the very set, the second project that we had, after completing that, Tavia then had a referral. And so it was like that, that break that either of us would feel from project to project was filled with the other's uh, referral or, or client um, inquiry. Um, so we just, we didn't have time for that reason. Now, now that hole that we would have had individually um, is filled with the others' um, work. If you were starting out today, would you focus heavily on social media? I personally would absolutely still start out on social media. We get a lot of inquiries from all of our press opportunities and basically non-referral. We get a lot of non-referral um, inquiries. And you're working with one client for, I don't know, maybe a month to three months on their project. And sometimes a year. And sometimes a year. And so you're essentially waiting until that client re uh, refers you. Um, and Tavia could speak more to this. I mean, nowadays you have clients kind of speak on requesting referrals at the end of the project or different things that they'll do to try and gain a referral. But back then, uh, we weren't doing anything like that. So at the very at the very beginning of your career or of your of your business, yes, you're not going to have a client to refer you. Um, or you'll have one. And so you, you have to start from somewhere and it's going to be your image. What do you look like? Um, who do people know you, know you for? Um, and, you know, so forth. I know you talked about not having enough money to bring on help in the beginning. Um, it was helpful that it was the two of you. But when you think about startup capital, having enough money to get your business running and get your business in front of the right people, what did that look like for you two? I think that's still something that we're working on. Um, we, we have hired in the past. We currently have um, pretty much one and a half other employees right now. And we're taking some time um, from work, but not, it's not working, um, to really work on the internal structure of the business and think about things like hiring and those investments. Um, we did remark on the difference in black and white businesses and that they're... Uh, it's easier to go out and get a loan or just the mere fact that they just simply believe in themselves. 
to just get out and go do it. Whereas um, we're filled with a lot of doubt and that can come from our upbringing, a, a, a multitude of various society. Yes. <laughs> it's easier to be what you've seen over and over again, yeah. right? For certain people, this is what they grew up with. So mm -hmm. the fact that I go, I ask for a loan is a given. Whereas for other populations, if you've never seen it happen, you don't know that it's even an option for you. And then how to then invest that in human resources or technology and how to actually grow and scale a business that's that is e essentially easily scalable. But um, so we seem to take the slower route, whereas others kind of just can run past if, and, and run past in different lanes. And not to say that one lane cannot, you know, you, there are not enough space for everyone in the market. But um, so we're working on the part where we're we're wanting to scale and where we can, um, based on our current business structure and the current inquiries and so on and the amount of um, press we've been afforded. But we may not, you know, shoot off to the moon right just the second. But we're working hard on figuring that part out. Okay. And thank thankfully we have taken like pretty bold steps to kind of get where we are now. So we have that that history um, within ourselves to kind of refer to and know that, you know, once you put your foot out, um, you, you're more secured about taking the next step. And, um, and so that's what we are continually trying to do, especially looking at um, others within the community who are not of minority and the steps that they're taking and how easily they're doing it and seeing the very close parallel um, to our business. And uh, that's why I love platforms like this or even the opportunity to share because the more that we change our narrative and, and let our community know that it's safe to take these same steps and that we should, and this is how you do it, it will, it, it will, it will change our trajectory, obviously, but it'll, it'll also change the perspective and um, thought process behind how we grow. Absolutely. So I know another hot topic for people is pricing, because once again, if you're not confident about what you can command in the field, sometimes you may not price in a way that allows you to grow. So how did you structure your offerings and then make sure that you were pricing enough so that that year long project didn't end up draining your your reserves? So this is this is also something that we're discussing now, and I, it's something that I think should be looked at every year. Uh, what are you charging? What are you bringing in? Uh, what are your projects or, or your clients rendering? And um, and just reassess. I think that we've been honest with ourselves um, in the past, and even leading up to with looking at uh, some of the other designers in the community. What are other people charging? What are and what are they delivering? You know, what 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 does their product look like in terms of ours? And not on uh, not necessarily comparing apples to apples, but more so looking at um, the structure and the organization and the uh, the value put around different design firms and what they're offering. And we oftentimes will use that to determine what we then should do. We are finally at a very comfortable place with uh, with our hourly structure, but we are kind of tuning 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 up um, the type of clients that we take on based on what we want to produce, mm -hmm. um, what, 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 what are they gonna render? It's no longer just take everyone as they come uh, because now we have enough experience to say, you know, this is the product that we're going to get from this type of client versus this type of client. If we wanna grow in this way, we're going to have to buckle down 
reject or, or turn down some projects and start taking more of this. And every time we do that, even, even the times that we've changed our hourly structure, the world provides and we're, and we're totally fine. Um, the moment that you have the confidence to say, this is what I want and you go after it, you continue to get it. Like it's, it's literally as simple as that. Um, I think the hardest part about that is being bold enough to say, this is what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Especially in your world, your portfolio is what attracts the caliber of clients that you're going to get the next go around. So if you say that you're a luxury designer, but you continue to take on, you know, grandma's living room, it's just not going to attract the you know, luxury caliber of people that you're looking for. Absolutely. But you do need to question why you keep getting that, that type of client. Um, yeah. Because I remember our last company retreat, which was not too long ago, <laughs> very recent, we were sitting down we're like, we want to be on this level. This is what we want to produce. That this voice. is what we want to bring in. And like, you know, just cut everything else. This is what we're doing. And then we sat down and looked at the inquiries that we were getting, the budgets that, that came along with those, what we were making. And we were like, you know, this, this client got us to where we are now. So we can't just turn our backs from them. Obviously, they, they can continue to be a vehicle into where we go next. So how do we continue to service them, um, but market ourselves differently? And I, I don't know what happened this year, considering the pandemic. We, we, we were just very fortunate enough to not have to apply any of that information that we went over in the structure that we uh, decided we were going to move forward with a year ago when we sat down uh, by way of just the, the, the busyness and all the inquiries that we got this past year. And now we're just, you know, having that conversation again. But I say that all to say, you need to be honest about where you really are, who you are attracting, what you, what you provide. It's not about what you necessarily, uh, it, it, it is about what you want in terms of aspirations and, and making all of the small goals to get to that big goal. Um, but to cater to where you are now and continue to oil that machine, you have to be honest with yourself about um, what you're doing, what you're offering, and, and who you're attracting. I mean, it's a more tempered version of that service for that client that you're not giving 40 hours of your time to that space, but you're devoting 20 hours, and this is what you can do within that because that's the, that's literally your bandwidth. That's all you can do, mm-hmm. and being confident about saying that. But, so if you have X budget, okay, an e-design would be a great option for you. We're going to create a design, and you're going to implement it. It's not in our best interest to do these things. And having a lot of those conversations, they're always awkward telling that to a client, but we find ourselves repeating that. It's just, you have to understand and respect that we're running a business. Mm -hmm. So what we do is very personal. We are, it's still a business. That's very true. Be honest with yourself, where you are and where you're trying to go. I have to say, I love the design space, which is why when I saw you guys starting to pop up on the news, I was just like, oh, I haven't seen Black designers like this that are showcasing work of this caliber. So I definitely had to reach out. I have watched designers go from showing their work on Instagram, then YouTube, and then land Netflix shows. So what does the path to amplifying the Forbes and Masters brand look like for you guys? That's a social media visibility. And with that, a lot of uh, production companies have reached out and we've done a few um, interviews for various shows. Uh, they, a lot of them do come in. Um, and we're working on something right now. So we'll see where that goes. Okay. And then, okay. And then aside from that, um, not being afraid to 
to ask when you when you build your brand to uh, to the level that that we are at, which we have a you know a long way to go. Um, I think that opportunities continue to present themselves to collaborate with other companies. And um, as you do more collaborations and have more uh, press opportunities or just opportunities to be more vis visible to others, they will uh, render you um, then more opportunities to be even more visible or partner with, with others. Um, and I think that that comes from just building your, building your brand and, um, and your relationships within the industry. Uh, and then aside from that, once that is developed, asking to partner with, with other companies, maybe that have not reached out to you yet. If there's anything that you can do, uh, a line that you can establish with them, um, our wallpaper line just came from by way of asking um, hey, we want to create patterns. How do we do this? And they're like, oh my God, yes. Um, it's, it's always going to be a yes. Just like the magazine um, uh, press opportunities. I thought back in the day that you had to just be popular enough and wait till they call on you. Mm -hmm. But these writers are always looking for content. Yeah. And you can simply call them up and say, hey, I just finished this kitchen. I have photographs. Can I, sh from my phone, can I show you my phone pictures to see if you'd be interested in setting up a photo shoot and doing a story, whether it's digital or print, they're, they're waiting for uh, that information and that, and that content they need it. And, um, and so you, you can, you can create that opportunity for yourself if you just simply ask. I think that um, and having um and getting some of those like you can do cell phone pictures but getting some things professionally shot and just absolutely um take an initiative to make sure that you already have kind of like an editorial ready for them that's for just quick um entry into the publication space absolutely but before i merged with tavia i took pictures of all of my projects i bought a 500 dollars camera um off of another designer and i took pictures of all of my uh, all of all of my um my projects and was featured in Ebony and um, a few other small local magazines because I just, because I had inventory, I had, I had something to show mm -hmm. and it had nothing to do because as you know, from earlier, I was struggling during that time. Um, so it had nothing to do with um, the value of my brand and business and, and anything like that. And I don't think social media was even that big, um, but I had something to share. Mm -hmm. I had something to, to share and show that I'm capable. And the fact that all you had to do was ask is incredible because so many of us will just sit here waiting for people to come to us and miss out on opportunities like having a whole wallpaper line. That's incredible. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's, it's, it's unreal, but we're, we, it's just the beginning um, and we're excited to, to do more. Mm -hmm. And now you also know how to approach those kinds of opportunities. So next time you will make a bigger ask and a bigger ask. And that's the beauty of, of starting with one small step. Um, you know, okay, no, yeah. like if you hear a no, it's fine. Just yeah. Ask again. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's just the practice, right? I think even a no teaches you something about your approach. Speaking about getting no, have you guys ever taken any risks that did not pan out for you? I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I know. I don't know if we would view it as like, it would be like, oh, well, we learned from that. And then we yeah. just like, Whoo. or, or it's, yeah. Or it was just like, oh, we, we must have dodged a bullet. It wasn't for us. Um, I think that's all, that's just kind of our, our setup, um, our sentiments, like how, how we, how we think about the world and 
what's for us is for us and, and all of that. But um, I would say sometimes we'll go on consultations or we'll meet clients who, who have reached out to us. And we'll do a consultation and, you know, we'll get a message like, oh, well, we decided to go with another designer. And we'll be like, really? <laughs> you didn't want to work with us? You didn't want to work with us? But, you know, but we move on. I remember recently we had a, we had a consultation and was running a little behind on time. Of course, the client was notified and it might have been 10, to, 10 or 15 minutes. And then uh, the... The, the assistant called us and basically said, well, you know, we, we decided just to go ahead and cancel the consultation. You know, you guys are late, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wait, but like, I, I called um, Dorothy who serves as our everything. She's our, she's our junior designer at the time. She was just dealing with more admin and logistics. And I called her and I was just like, did we, did we notify them? Like, did they know that we we're running late? Did we let them know in advance? Like what's, what's going on? And, you know, I just kind of wanted to make sure, you know, looking inward again, making, making sure that we did our part, you know, and, and did everything that we could. But after that, it was just like, well, all right, moving on. But a lot of our job is delivering like disappointments. So if that small disappointment, um, it's very difficult to be ready for an interior design project at that phase. Like we, this, Murphy's Law loves interior design yeah. projects. So half of our job is saying, hey, I'm not going to show up on time. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. especially during the pandemic and then of course i'm the hgtv addict and so they always talk about when you're doing a demo you may find surprises that will eat into your budget and now you can't get the fancier version of the furniture or whatever it is mm -hmm. i also wonder looking at the state of the world as it is right now how has the pandemic redefined the way you guys are doing business Initially, I think we were we were very nervous and afraid because uh, luxury businesses, you think that's the first to go. And what what it did teach people started to value their homes more being stuck at home. Yes. Um, we were getting a lot of inquiries for just very personal spaces, meditation rooms, um, home offices, gyms and, and kid fun. homework. Rooms. Yes, it, that was a, that's a huge one. And. Um, and we have not. We, we've been busier because of this like shift to turn inward and look at home. Mm -hmm. um, what it, because of the, the, the busyness, we've had to go through so many different projects and a lot of different mistakes at the same time. And so that causes us to then look inward and try to work on some systems that will make it a, to have a more seamless 2021 and going forward, that there are some things that we need to implement and just take a step back to do. And we were applauded by some clients and another class were like, wait, no, you're leaving us. Um, but it, um, after we explained what we needed to do, um, we're taking the time to do that now. And so um, and then being OK with not being OK. Like yeah. last year taught us that it's OK to have your, to be upset today. Your feelings are hurt. The world looks like it's going to fall apart for a minute. But take a step back. It's, it's OK to stop. Uh, we were talking for a long time, like, you know, the prize goes to, you know, of course, work hard and so on, but you need to, uh, like, give yourself some grace and some self-care and, and, and honor, you know, your feelings around the world right now. It looks really scary. Like, yeah. I, I can't stop watching the news and I'm like, I need to stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I honestly feel like the pandemic has, like, served as accountability to uh, the, the hard worker or the hustler. Um, has served as accountability to just like take some, take some time for self, 
and and relax and and rest and just take care of yourself in general. I, if if anything positive, that's that's something that has definitely come out of it, and it's afforded us the. Um, the accountability within our company to say, hey, we need a break. We need to yeah. step back. And again, some people weren't the happiest, but like they didn't end their project and everyone has celebrated us essentially. So taking a step forward and again, being rewarded or being shown that that it's okay. Um, one thing that we've experienced during the pandemic as well is an influx of virtual design um, an influx of client inquiries from all over the world because at the time we were uh, offering virtual um, interior design assistance, and um, and so that 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 played a big part in our profits this year. Um, and moving forward, we are no longer offering that service again because we assessed our our current situation where we want to go and the time and availability that we want to open up for other projects and we're saying we're going to take we're going to take a step back from this type of service or this type of client um although it was an aid this year in um taking us to a higher place than than last year i feel as though for some kinds of business as you mentioned the pandemic did cause an influx of business but they weren't ready for it so there was just a mix of emotions because their their operations, their systems were just under stress. So yes, success came in by way of inquiries, but sometimes on the tail end, their reputations also took a hit because, I mean, I won't say who, but I've ordered from some people where I didn't get things for three months that I'd ordered. And I understood, I ordered in order to support. So I understood that they were under stress, but if you're not ready for that influx of success, it can take a toll as well. So I'm glad you guys are taking a step back just to make sure that you are strong enough to continue with the success that you're seeing. Absolutely. We, we <laughs> although we're very excited about the influx, there would be times every Monday we meet as a company and we'll talk about what's going on with each project. And we'd be talking and we'd be like, oh yes, Vanessa Hilson. And we're like, wait, who is that? It, we, were, we were signing contracts and working on designs and didn't know who our client was. Wow. And we did not like that. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, a lot of people I think in, in this time are saying, are, is giving too many yeses and not enough no's. They're, the influx is great. And I, I think maybe the fear of the pandemic and um, the unknown of like, you know, where this can go, uh, are, are making people continuing to take, take, take. But again, we got to a point where, you know, with the accountability and the assurance and, and, and encouragement we get from each other, we said, we will be fine. We've again, have tested, we can testify to the fact that um, when we make a decision to go left or right, we will be rewarded. And during this time, we're gonna say, no, we need to take a step back so that our integrity is it doesn't change the the value of our company everything it was affecting everything or even just the passion and love that we had for what we do was changing because of the influx and so instead of just primarily looking at the dollar amount changing we were looking at the overall health of the business of our relationship um the relationship with our work and said you know we don't we don't like this let's take a step back reassess and decide what we are going to do with it Thank you for saying that because success isn't just the money. A lot of people start businesses because they want a change in lifestyle. They want to be able to 
take a hold of when they work. They want to be able to say yes and no as far as what comes into their their spaces. And if all of a sudden your business is running you, it's just not a comfortable place to be in. So I'm glad you pointed that out. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, and (laughs) it was just a few months for us before we realized, okay, that we can't do this. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't know our clients' names. We, we, there's, there's no connecting to them in order to produce like a design that we can then connect with and really produce specifically for them. That's custom to them. And it, it, it really was just derailing what we do. Um, So it was, it was obvious for us. And expectations were not matched. So uh, we had to go into match because of uh, how we um, come off in particular ways and how we treat our full service clients. Uh, some of the virtual clients were not getting the same level of service to which um, we cannot offer that. It's just that simple. And so having to explain that is it, it doesn't it doesn't feel good, but yeah. you do have to stay on your ground that this is a lower tier service for this um, at this price point, because this is what we offer. And if you would like this portion of the service, that's a different level of service. Absolutely. No, I mean, I do that. I think you always try to get a little bit more for your money, right? So you start, if you're not, if you don't stand your ground, there's always that scope creep that happens with projects where people try to take, take, take human Mm -hmm. nature, but through it all, how are you staying inspired? I, I, I heard that breath. <laughs> I, I, I feel like you need a hug right now. <laughs> I know, it's been hard. That was a, that was a big inhale, exhale. It's, I think I, I, I get a lot from traveling. I get a lot from going back to New York. I haven't been to New York in um, a year, which is weird for me. Someplace that I go every few months. And um, I've gotten a lot of books lately, just hiding them right now. Um, yeah, it's it's difficult, especially while things are a little um, stressful and that there are other things to focus on, like the world is still happening and um, and giving that some time to let that all process. But then thinking about like, you know, what does the future look like? And then translating that in a creative mind, your gears start turning again, like what's going to happen? What, what's going to come out of this? Right. I like Food that. Architecture. Right. <laughs> I think I think for me. Um, I think for me, the pandemic has caused me to connect with my meditate, meditating and yoga and just uh, time with self a lot more. And, uh, and then also through therapy, talking through uh, all the things that are going on in the world as well, as well as in my personal life. Um, I think the, the constant resolve tends to be um, just trust that trust that things are going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as cliche or as surface as that sounds, um, looking back into your history and your trajectory and seeing, seeing that actually take place in the past. And I think for me, I stay encouraged by, of course, just the constant confirmation through opportunities like this, doing a podcast with you or uh, through recent things that you guys will hear about um, us doing, you know, in the later weeks and months that serves as a constant um, encouragement, encouragement and confirmation that we're on the right path. Mm. And that, you know, this is, this is literally our, our destiny. Like there's no struggle. You, you have to be honest and listen to what the world is telling you, what God is telling you, what the universe is telling you, whatever you you want to coin that um 
you will you'll get all the answers that you need. And so I think for for me during this time, I've just been sitting still and listening to um, what's been going on and really seeing what's been going on and using that as encouragement to know that it will be fine. Um, the fact that we've been able to just surf through smoothly this entire year mm. or the pandemic up until now, I should have absolutely no worry. I've been fine up until now. The company is still thriving. There's no need to worry. Um, but I think for everybody, you have you have to, to, to find where that is, where you find that comfort. And I think it starts with um, a practice that I love, which is just gratification, journaling just journaling about all the things that are going great because i think by nature we're thinking about what to do next what to fix what am i going to have to you know uh what am i going to have to do what are the chances of this happening we're we're constantly just especially me preparing for the future of which we have absolutely no idea will entail yeah um and we we don't celebrate ourselves enough tavia and i have this constant testimony which is going to change this year <laughs> this constant testimony of like oh my god like can you believe that we actually have a wallpaper line can you believe that we actually worked with that client? And because we're so boggled down with like, okay, this is what we need to do next. We don't take time to celebrate. And I think taking time to celebrate is, is, is literally acknowledging the good that's happening and therefore just confirming that you're on the right path and you're, you're fine. You're fine. <laughs> I love that. I love that. That is a good way to inspire yourself is take stock of everything that's going well. Absolutely. Actually sitting in that. I like it. So what can we expect from you all in 2021? What's next? I think just us working on like internal structure is just a big deal for us. It feels mm -hmm. like a win um, to, to walk into a, a fully functioning office um, and a library of our materials. Just those things will be wins for us. And I think if it's a win for us, it's a win for all. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I'll just say that you'll be seeing more Forbes Masters uh, by way of many different platforms. Mm -hmm. You'll see more of us. A lot of the work that we're doing right now, um, you'll see if you are working with us or if, you, or if you are a client. So if you are really inspired to know what we are doing, check out www.forcemasters.com. Yes, please. Great. Let us know all the places. <laughs> We're hoping to actually see a lot of these new homes that we're building actually be built. We're working on a lot of new construction yeah. and it's been a while. It takes, it takes a long time. Uh, it takes a long time for a house to be built and uh, we are working on a lot of homes like that, but you will see more of us, hopefully more partnerships, mm -hmm. um, show houses, show houses, different platforms and uh, yeah. And right. just, it's a better product. Let us know where else can we follow this progress, especially when the announcements roll out. We want to be, we want to have a front seat. Where can we find that? Um, our social media page, Instagram is Forbes Masters. We'll go to shop Forbes Masters in the near future. Yeah, okay. you, can actually, you can actually follow the page now. Mm -hmm. It's shop Forbes Masters and um, you'll get updates there. Um, for product product that um, that we love that we that we feel are like just essentials for the home. Um, so uh, part of our little style guides, um, we tend to like some of the same things. So we'll be offering those to clients. Oh wow! Well, let me go follow that page because I wasn't following that one yet. Okay. Well, I really oh, appreciate. Think, so I'll give it some time. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
Well, I'll get in there just so I'm ready when you guys are ready. But I really do appreciate you taking the time to share your story today because I will say a lot of people are listening because they want to hear vulnerability. They want to hear a real depiction of what your journey has been like. And you ladies have really given us that today. So thank you. Thank you. Hi, Offscripters. I'm so glad you made it to the end of this episode. If you enjoy listening to our show, please pay it forward by sharing us with your network. Between episodes, you can find me on Instagram. Our handle is at She's Offscript, or you can catch up on past episodes at She's Offscript.com. See you on the next one.